Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons. And I'm Joshua Simmons. We are two brothers who love fly fishing, our families, and our men of faith. But like most of you listening, we're still not experts on any of those subjects. So our hope is to speak with as many people that we believe are experts on these subjects and pose the questions that most of us are asking. So thanks for joining us along the journey as we seek to inspire and encourage dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, fatherhood, and faith on the fly. Coming up on today's episode. So authenticity is is super crucial to me. And then um, in terms of community, as I mentioned before, you know, I'm I'm one of everybody. I, I'm a fit. I'm an angler. I I speak the language. I I, I you know I've thrown my rod down too. And after losing that prize fish, so uh, that's important to me is to be part of the community. And then probably most important is that we're we're really involved in a lot of organizations within the, the community as well mm-hmm. we we will probably never really make money because we seem to be ad- i seem to be adamant about giving it all away that was mr joe monahan of anglers coffee coming up on today's episode of the dads on the fly podcast well hey guys and welcome to another episode of the dads on the fly podcast i'm caleb joined always by my brother joshua joshua what's going on man hey man i had a good week um Got a great episode for everybody today, but we had a couple fishing expeditions uh, that we went on this past week that we're going to actually get to talk about maybe in a future episode. But, um, but dude, been... between the two of us, we got on the water three different times. Yeah, that's pretty. Good, that's pretty week. great. That's a big week for us. Three that doesn't times, happen very often. Three times on the water. I like it. That's um, awesome. Well, before we dive into this episode, we got a couple announcements, guys. Uh, announcement number one: This Thursday night, we will be at Maggie Valley Fly Shop. Yeah, Maggie Valley Fly Shop for our live show. Uh, that's March the 16th at 6 p.m. Maggie Valley Fly Shop. Come hang out with us. Uh, we're going to interview Mr. Mr. Jerry, Jerry Yates. Mr. Jerry Yates. Uh, the founder Fanny. of Frogs Fanny and uh, well, just also- a phenomenal fly fisherman, expert Hawk. caster. I mean, just a cool dude. Going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'd love to hang out with anybody who's local. So come hang out with us. Uh, Frog Level Brewing is going to be providing some beverages for us that night. And um, if you haven't been to Maggie Valley Fly Shop yet, this will be a cool time to go check it out. they got a great atmosphere. they got a new fly tying station up there. Yeah, stuff, I have so not even seen the I new fly tying station, yeah. so I'm excited to see some of the new things they've been doing since I've been there. So it's going to be a cool night. Uh, we really hope that you guys will get out and uh, hang out with us. Um, just a awesome night to just kind of talk fly fishing gather um we'll have some some stickers for everybody also some other stuff that um some people are giving away a a uh tie-in kit yeah from, from management's fly company um, a fly co so yeah it's gonna be a fun night and then the week after that we will be at the f3t event at highland brewery yeah that's uh, march the 24th march is the 24th. that right that friday doors open at six shows start at seven uh, we will have a table there, so excited to hang out with everybody. Already been talking to some people on Instagram who are going to be that night, so I'm excited about that. Um, it's going to be a cool little end to uh, March, man. We're halfway through March. It's crazy. Wild. Uh, it's nuts how quick the year's already flying by. Yep. And uh, with it being March, we are coming up on a season that I'm really excited about, which is smallmouth fishing. I know. That's and our so, next week's episode. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that, that trip that we had. Well, no, <laughs> but I, I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to ask this. I have... Uh, <clears throat> been trying to tie up a lot of flies here lately and uh been trying to tie up some smallmouth flies okay. and so i would just love to throw this out to our listeners if you smallmouth fish at all shoot me a message instagram shoot us a message online on our website email i want to know what are your go-to smallmouth flies like so if you smallmouth fly fish if you fly fish for smallmouth bass Shoot me your go-to smallmouth flies. If you're comfortable sharing it with me, and uh, we might even feature what you're doing on one of our next episodes, because I'm trying to learn how to top some smallmouth bugs that will hopefully bring us some more success this spring. Sounds good, man. Um, there was one other thing, and that smallmouth made me lose my train of thought there. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not your fault. Uh, I don't remember really what it was. Oh, I did want to say, believe it, crazy enough, today's episode with Mr. Mr. Joe Monahan of... Uh, Angler's Coffee. It's episode 80. Oh, wow. We're 80, 80 episodes 80 in. 80 episodes in, man. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. We're 80 what are we going to do? we got to start thinking about what we're going to do for 100. 100? I don't know. It's going to be wild. 
It's only do some guy. big giveaways or something. We might have to do, do something really big for a hundred. I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. I don't. I don't know where we'll be for a hundred. Uh, that'll be <laughs> that fun. So, um, guys, we thank you for hanging out with us as always. Uh, we thank you for supporting the podcast any way you do, even if that's just leaving a message, telling somebody about it. Word of mouth's best way to spread uh, what we're doing here at Dads on the Fly. We're about a month and a half from the first Dads on the Fly Father Son Retreat. We're excited about that. Got. Um, it's going to be a fun time. We've been fishing those waters, kind of getting ready for it. And, uh, man, I think we're good. Check out the Patreon if you want to learn more about Dads on the Fly. I think maybe this week I'll have the uh, bonus, the first ever spoof of the, the YouTube spoof. <laughs> I like YouTube spoofs. we got yeah, a lot of those. Working on that. So uh, what yeah. else you got, man, before we go? Hey, I just uh, want to appreciate everybody who continues to rate and review the podcast. We got another great review this week. We did. And um, so I uh, really appreciate all of that. And also I want to apologize if you are one of our amazing people that follows the episode and uh and signed up for our email uh i have just through the craziness of the last couple of weeks not sent out a couple of emails so emails are coming back this week so sign up for the email list you could stay up to date on all things dads on the fly like events and uh get a little bit maybe more behind the scenes of what we've talked about with some of our guests so uh check that out you can sign up for that at dads on the fly Dot com. All right, Joshua. Well, uh, we're really excited about today's episode. We yeah. got to meet today's guest in Virginia. In person. At the uh, Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. Yeah. I had already been exposed to their company uh, before that. Um, Mr. Joe Monahan, the founder of Angler's Coffee. What a cool name. Man, this stuff is amazing. First of all, I want to encourage our guest. If, they want, if you like good coffee, go check out angler's coffee it's just anglerscoffee.com you can go order some amazing bags of coffee they send it straight to your house and this is not just like and we talked about this in this episode this stuff is not some kind of gimmick just to try to get anglers to buy their coffee with some cool artwork this is like prime a1 coffee i know i'm a little bit of a coffee snob myself probably more of a coffee snob than i am like a fly fishing snob to be honest and so uh go check out angler's coffee Go check out Joe. They've got a great story. We're going to dive into a lot of that in today's conversation and hear a little bit more about Joe. And, uh, man, we geek out on some coffee in this episode. We talk about fly fishing, and uh, it is a great time. So, And Joe's got a cool family story that we were able to include in the episode, so it's a really perfect episode for our show. We hope that uh, you guys really enjoy it and uh, be on the lookout for some future smallmouth adventures. And uh, the, the Rod Builder series is right around the corner, man. So I'm excited about the Rod Builder Series for all you guys that are into different types of fly rods. Those those interviews start up in the next couple of weeks, so it's going to be fun. That's going to be great. Well, let's dive into our conversation now with Mr. Joe Monahan of Anglers Coffee. It's on the Flies brought to you by Catch Cam Knits. Catch Cam Knits, where you can build your own knit. It's your knit, so you choose every feature. Check them out online at catchcamnets.com. Dads on the Fly is also brought to you by Trout Routes. Joshua, when we are looking for new places to go catch trout, I can think of no better resource to use than the Trout Routes app. It has been an awesome thing to help us find more trout to catch. Yeah, man, whether exploring new water or just being a new angler at all, Trout Routes now includes all of the lower 48 states on their amazing app that can be found anywhere you get your apps. So make sure and download Trout Routes today for all your fly fishing adventures. Hey everyone, and we are really excited tonight to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Joe Monahan. Joe is coming to us from just outside of the Seattle area uh, in Washington State. Joe, thanks so much for being here with us. Oh, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Joe is the uh, the founder and the, uh, I guess we would call you the CEO, is that correct, Joe, of Angler's Coffee. Uh, yeah, we're CEO, lead salesperson, accountant, uh, you name it. <laughs> the man who does it all of, uh, of Angler's Coffee. And Joshua, I've spoken before, I think on our show and even shared on our Instagram some about how wonderful and how much I love Angler's Coffee. And Joe, man, this is just a real treat. I'm excited to hear about uh, your story. I'm excited to hear about the story behind Angler's Coffee. And so, uh, Joe, I'd love to just hear your story. First of all, you are an avid, avid fly fisherman. And so tell us a little bit about your story of getting into fly fishing. Well, I've been fly fishing pretty much my entire life. Um, I grew up uh, on the eastern side of Washington State, and my father, who had been born and raised on a ranch on the Bitterroot River, 
Um, by that time, we were living in the Spokane area by the time I came along. But um, so we spent most of my our summer vacations going back to uh, to fly fish on the Bitterroot. And, um, you know, I've been pretty much doing it in one form or another ever since. Uh, I mean, my, my time to fish has ebbed and flowed depending on life circumstances. But but it's been in my DNA for, for basically my entire life. So being there in Eastern Washington, what, what were you chasing on the Bitterroot? Uh, oh, you know, rainbows, uh, a lot of cutthroat back then, a lot more cutthroat, um, and an occasional big brownie. The Bitterroot's a good fishery. We fish mostly up on the West Fork, where it gets kind of small water up there, um, but but beautiful water, still great fishing. I still go back whenever I can. And uh, were, were you doing a lot of... You know, we've had a couple other guests. Well, one from from kind of your neck of the woods, and he was our steelhead obsessed guy. Um, so, did you did you dabble in some of the, those things out where you live as well? I do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've and I've done a lot of steelheading. Um, sadly, the steelhead runs have kind of dwindled in the last few years, and and I combine that with my my age and uh you know i'm not as hardy as i used to be and and it's it, still it can be pretty tough fishing but it's it's great when, when it's good it's really good and uh, nowadays i do a little bit more i live like as i mentioned earlier to you guys i live on an island and so i get out pretty often and chase the sea run cutthroats around um just right off the beach or I take my little boat out. Uh, we have a good bull trout run out here. Not a lot of people oh, wow. know about that. Um, and in the fall and summer, we or late, late summer and fall, we can do some pretty good coho salmon fishing right off the beach as well. Too cool. So where did um, f- f- coffee come into your life i think those would we would say after meeting you in virginia we know that those are two of your biggest passions coffee and fly fishing and so we kind of heard you started fly fishing at a young age and when did coffee become something you knew that you you were a master at well i'm not sure i ever understood i was a master but um and honestly you know 40 plus years later, I, I can honestly tell you, it was always something I was going to do until I figured out what I was going to do when I grew up, until I figured <laughs> out it was too late. But, uh, but actually, it goes back to my, it goes back to my, essentially my high school days. Um, uh, by the time I was in high school, we had moved to, to the Seattle, the western side of Washington State in the Seattle area. And uh, one of my best friends in high school, um, in the summer times, he and his older brother were running a little ice cream store. I, ironically and coincidentally, right here on the island where I now live, it was kind of a summer business. His, his older brother was going to, to optometry school and was funding it down in L.A. and was funding it by running this ice cream store up here for the summers. And my buddy Dave and I would come up here and uh, scoop ice cream and maybe raise a little heck out here uh, as, as high school kids and um, sleep in the back of the shop. And, <laughs> um, it was some crazy days, but we had a good time. And the second year we did that, his older brother Jim showed up with a coffee roaster in the back of his truck. Huh. It turns out he had been working for a coffee company down in L.A. while he was going to school, and he took a liking to it. So I can honestly say that's the first time I ever saw in my life coffee being roasted and probably the first time I actually even drank it. I, I can't remember if I liked it or not. But, um, and then, um, you know, things being what they were, I went off to college and my buddy Dave went into business with his older brother with his ice cream and emerging coffee business. And then, you know, X number of years later, I finally got out of college with a, an English arts degree, which didn't uh, really have a lot of employment opportunities the time. So I went to work for their back to work for their company, which had actually grown into being a little bit of a, a, a much more serious coffee business, even though it was very small still. So they hired me to come on board. And by that time, they were competing. They were had moved from Whidbey Island to Seattle mm. and they were competing with another tiny, tiny little business in Seattle called Starbucks. <laughs> so small. <laughs> and uh 
Uh, and they were, they were two tiny little companies at yeah. that time. And they, and uh, they needed somebody to sell coffee to like Seattle area restaurants. And I thought, well, I can do that because I don't have anything else to do. So I jumped on board and I learned how to roast coffee, uh, went around to all the Seattle restaurants and was had pretty good luck selling coffee. People were starting to become more interested in coffee about that time. And um, and I was having a blast, you know, I could, I just having a total blast. And that was the start of uh, a 40 plus year story that led me to Angler's Coffee. And if we had 40 years, I could give you every detail. <laughs> well, I, I would love to talk about it, Joe, because uh, I think this is a really interesting part of your story. You know, you started out there in Seattle, came part of a small company known now as uh, Seattle's Best Coffee. Is that right? Seattle's Best Coffee. Seattle's yeah, Best Coffee. I mean, my buddy's brother. Super. My buddy and his brother formed. That's really cool that I didn't know that about Seattle's Best Coffee. That it was started from an ice cream parlor with a guy in the back of his. I mean, that's incredible. What a cool story. Um, but you got involved there, and then that also led you to uh, to some cool places in the world. Is that right? Well, eventually, yeah. So one of the one of the restaurants, a little deli in down in the historical part of Seattle, was this, this guy started buying coffee from me. And um, one day I was dropping coffee off to him and, uh, and this little deli was a, a typical tourist deli by day and somehow a seedy blues club by night. It was crazy. But um, so this guy who owned this place one day says, hey, you know anything about one of these? And I looked over and he had a, an old commercial espresso machine that had that had he had come along with the restaurant when he took it over and. So I didn't know anything about it, but we decided to play with it a little bit together. And we actually got it working and we, we brew, started brewing what we thought was espresso at the time. Um, and he especially took a real liking to the machine side of things. Um, so his name is Kent Bakke and you know, we're still very close friends. But he, um, he was the one who decided he thought there might be a business opportunity just getting involved in espresso machines. And honestly, at that time, we figured there were maybe six total in Seattle. Wow. And and maybe at any given time, four of them were actually working. And <laughs> wow. so, so he uh, he he started dabbling around and and repairing machines and kind of got to be known as the guy in town that knew a little bit about espresso machines. And so about that same time, a lot of my coffee customers were some of them, I wouldn't say a lot, were were asking about espresso machines. It was a, just a very tip of an emerging interest mm. in that kind of brewing coffee. So I started actually being able to sell machines for him. And we kind of formed this loose, casual partnership. And um it started to kind of take off. So at some point he offered, he invited me to come in and be a partner with him. And I took a big leap and left the, the coffee side of the business and jumped into the machine side of the business. And that's, that was the whole interesting chapter. I mean, it was the longest chapter of my career. We, we started by importing just a, a few machines at a time and with a, a few different brands that we were able to see to secure and buy from Italy and then resell them. And one of those brands was a little tiny company out of Florence, Italy uh, called La Marzocco and didn't take us very long to figure out there's something kind of special about this company. It was, it was an artisan company. They were founded in 1927 we were doing business primarily with the son of the two two brothers that founded the company. Wow. Had been completely closely held by the family, and they were, you know, they were just artisans. They were hand building machines at a wow. time when the when the industry was going a different way, and the industry was going into more automation and more modern manufacturing techniques, and. Um, but we took a real liking to this particular brand and, and somehow we started to build a little bit of a following for it. And then over time we built up a little bit more of a following for it. And um, I want to say it was in the very late eighties uh, Starbucks was going through kind of a, a, a reinvention at the hip and with Howard Schultz at the helm. And 
he was starting to want to build more what we would think of of Starbucks stores as you see them today. Mm. And so we managed to convince them that we had the right machines for them. And we, um, <laughs> we started selling them a few machines at a time. And before we knew it, we were, we were their exclusive machine supplier all over the world. That's incredible. Now, if you fast forward from there a few years, they, they came to us one day and said, we've got great news. We, all, you know, that X number of machines, I want to say it was maybe 400 machines that we bought from you last year. We're going to triple that next year. Wow. And we were like, that really is great news, but we better go back to Italy and tell these guys that this great news. And we got there and talked to Mr. Piero Bambi, who, who was the owner by that time. And he he was like, ah, that isn't such great news. I'm not interested. And he was I don't I know I, I have this beautiful lifestyle in Tuscany and you guys are helping me out and we're, we're, we can't don't really want to hire more people and blah, blah, blah. So we weren't sure what to make of that news. Um, we kind of went back to the drawing board and came started talking with him out, about ideas. And again, to try to make a long story short, we ended up acquiring the company from him wow. in 1994 more out of necessity than desire and um and we added through that relationship we added a second little assembly plant here in seattle and we were we were barely i mean barely able to keep up with starbucks demand but we did it and then over time we you know at that time we figured out of the 400 machines we were buying from la marzocco they were only building 500 a year so we had no idea wow. that we were pushing their capacity wow so again to try to make a long story short we um over the course of the next 20 plus years we grew it from those 500 machines into the one of the world's leading brands and when i decided to exit the company which was in 2017, we were building about 50,000 machines a year. So That's it really, wild. really grew. And of those 50,000, like, was Star and Starbucks is still using those machines? No. no. no? And Starbucks is not. Well, they buy one on occasion. They went to a far more automated yeah. um, gotcha. piece of equipment. My analogy at the time was it was really the right thing for them to do, even though it was a little hard on us to make the transition. But my analogy was them trying to use La Marzocco machines at their size would be like McDonald's, you know, doing burgers on Weber grills. Yeah. Wow, man. That, that is really cool, Joe. It is so neat to hear. Um, you just got such a cool story. I think that's incredible. Like just first of all, for someone who loves coffee and uh, hearing about that, it, it's really neat to hear, you know, you were, on, you were on the forefront you know, coffee is this huge market now. I mean, there's just everybody, you know, everybody loves their different types of coffee. And um, to hear like how you were on the forefront of all that, that's really neat. It's been, um, it's been really fun to watch it go from where it was to where it is. It's, it's, I, someone had told me, you know, in 1978, what I, what I was going to experience, I, I would have told them they were crazy. And, <laughs> And then on top of that, it gave me the opportunity to to travel the world. Yeah, I mean, we sure. really were selling machines all over the world. And um, whenever possible, I combine those those business trips with a little fishing. So I, I was going to ask you about that. So so what places did you get to fish that were just really cool during that time? Well, the highlight for me was certainly New Zealand. Oh, um, oh man. Thought, That's on my I bucket list. Say, it should be. Um, it was just a great trip. Uh, I had a couple of them actually, but one in particular, my first trip was it was just a dream trip. And so I, I got to experience New Zealand firsthand in a lot of different ways, a lot of different types of fishing water. And it was great. But I've also got to fish in um, Iceland, uh, Norway. I fished in Italy, which is becoming a real thing, but it wasn't so much back then. Yeah. Um, a little bit down in, in Mexico, Florida, uh, Hawaii. I mean, I, I, that's just part of it. So so in 2017, you, you said you transitioned out of, of that. And uh, how, how long before Angler's Coffee? Well, about two years. And my 
And I spent those two years just fishing as much as I could possibly <laughs> fish. Uh, and 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 we'll talk a little bit about my family structure a little later. But and also also investing my life into uh, my family again. Um, but my kind of standing line was that all those years of work and you know really what was on my mind was fishing. Mm. But as soon as I had time to fish, I, I couldn't shut my brain off, my business brain off. And uh, and I kind of had this idea all along. Um, for whatever reason, I, I've, 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 I'm really interested in branding exercises and I'm really interested in targeting you know, specific demographic of customers and getting to know them and understand them, building a community out of it. And um, it kind of hit home about, you know, well, especially early COVID days. I was yeah. like, I love coffee. I have a, I, as, as a hobby business at the time, I invested in a, one of the first things I did when I, when I left La Marzocco and moved up here to where I live is I installed a, a full on commercial coffee roaster as a, as a hobby machine here. And <laughs> so, wild. and so I, and I still love everything there is to do with coffee, but really mm -hmm. the business idea came along about during summer and during 2020. And um, I partnered up with my, with a, a kind of a distant relative of mine, I guess you could call him my nephew in law. He married my niece. Um, he's an extremely talented branding specialist and we had worked together off and on. He did a lot of projects for me back in the La Marzocco days. And we decided to form a partnership and give this thing a go. And uh, and here we are. We, we spent about a year trying to understand what we were doing, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> trying to get a grip on it. And the whole world of e-commerce was new, yeah. totally new to us. Um, and so we kind of floundered around a bit for a year. And in 2021 or so, we got more serious about it. Uh, started investing a little bit into it and uh and it's been a great great it's been a steep learning curve but it's been a great experience so far well you've got a you got an amazing product first of all um i would like to talk about angler's coffee it it is an amazing coffee um i encourage folks if they've not tasted it yet to order a bag, um, order a bag of beans and, and, you know, grind them up at home and, um, or, or experience one of my favorite ways to drink coffee from you guys, the hopper dropper packs. Those are <laughs> phenomenal and, uh, encourage folks to check those out. I would love yeah, right here. There you go, there man. You go. I like it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, I would love for you to speak a little bit about the coffee. Um, is there something that kind of sets it apart? There's something that you're doing, you know, you've got, like you said, you've got some amazing branding. I love the way that every type yeah. of roast is is a different fly name. And then now you've delved into the bass head world. And uh, so I think that's really interesting. Um, but talk for a minute, Joe, if you will, about about the coffee. Is there anything that sets apart? Is there anything that's special about it? Um, well, well, yes and no. I mean, co coffee is especially as we mentioned you know going back from where i came from to where it is now there's there's good coffee everywhere and there's great coffee's not that hard to come by i mean one of the one of the beauties of la marzocco was it's literally the ferrari of espresso machines mm -hmm. so i got to work with the best of the best all over the world in, in terms of coffee roasters and and coffee houses and cafes so i learned a lot during that process i got to really know coffee um so that part is easy to me the the, the coffee is just innate uh, i mean we know we know coffee inside out we know what people like i think i think we can hit yeah. just about everybody's taste spectrum we understand what it takes to to bring a great product to the customer yeah you know what sets us apart as we um you know, as again, you're probably hearing me say it a few times is, is we feel like we're part of a community. Mm -hmm. um, we, we speak the language of the angling language. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my whole goal is to is to honor honor that part of the fly fishing experience, which for a lot of people is coffee. I know one of you feels yeah. that way. I mean, every <laughs> every trip we go I mean, on. 
I, make, I have to make coffee make before sure, we go. I make sure he has a cup of coffee yeah. before we leave in the morning. Because um, <laughs> if not, it's a yeah. worse day for him. For, for our <laughs> listeners that don't know, which by now they probably do, um, I am not a coffee drinker. However, my wife is kind of on the same level as yep. Caleb. They're like coffee connoisseurs. Oh, yeah. And Laura was a huge fan of Angler's Coffee at the Virginia show. Oh, yeah. She would walk down, and <laughs> Howie would take care of her um, with a cup of coffee when she got chilly inside the Virginia yep. show. So I have a testament, which means way more than my endorsement for the coffee, <laughs> is that my wife loves yeah. the coffee, and she enjoys drinking it. Um I wanted to ask a question that, as a non-coffee drinker, I hope this is a, a an okay question. But you is all the coffee. It, it, you probably know this story, and I think I've heard you say this. You get you do all the coffee right there. In is it all shipped out of like right around your area, or we we I mean, we started that way. Um, so coffee is. I mean, we could go into coffee a little bit there. Coffee is an incredibly um, beautiful and complex industry. Coffee, coffee starts by growing on trees, and it grows plus or minus, I would say, 10 or 15 degrees, plus or, plus or minus 10, 10 or 15 degrees either side of the equator and all the way around the globe. And the amount of work that goes into growing coffee picking coffee, largely by hand, processing the coffee, shipping it around different places all over the world for coffee consumers, getting it roasted, which I can talk a little bit about, and eventually getting it into a cup. It's amazing. It does not cost $100 a pound. That's what um, I was just thinking. It is <laughs> crazy. There's a lot that goes into it. And one of the things we owe a lot to are the the largely relatively poverty-stricken third world countries where mm. coffee is grown and it it provides anywhere from a subsistence to uh to a very good living for mm. people that are actually in the agricultural side of it so what we do is we are coffee roasters so we secure what's known in the industry as green beans beans come are, are essentially the seeds of a cherry these are these are kind of like they're coffee trees. They're their own, you know, their own species. But but they it looks like a cherry on the tree, and when they're ripe, they're usually red, right? Red like a cherry. And then the seeds, the two seeds in each cherry is what becomes a coffee bean. And as I mentioned, these these cherries are almost exclusively picked by hand. Mm. And then there's a washing process. The process there's a lot of processing that goes in. And then when we get it, comes to us in the form of what we call a green bean. They're rock hard. They have no flavor. And uh, it's the roasting of the green beans is what brings out the flavor. And roasting is the is the process of essentially, well, roasting coffee at, up to about 400 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, and then it, it 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 turns into the brown bean that we're used to, and that's where all the flavor comes to. I make it sound simple. There's an enormous amount of stuff that's going on <laughs> in, that, in that roasting process. Uh, it's very complex, and uh, so we secure beans from from all over the world, predominantly South and Central America, potentially some in Mexico. We do get coffees from Indonesia. We get coffees from Africa, particularly. Those beans provides different characteristics in the cup. So that's what we do. And we recently added a second facility for roasting in North Carolina. So because coffee, again, I'm I'm fanatical about quality. I don't want I, and I'm, I'm glad you guys appreciate it. I'm glad you, you taste it because I want that customer to get an absolute perfect package of coffee when they get it from us, perfect bag of coffee. And hopefully they understand how to brew it enough so they get a perfect cup. <laughs> yeah. And what that requires, <laughs> one of the one of the things that requires is it needs to be fresh. Yeah. So coffee typically is considered at peak freshness when it's two days out of the roaster. And then it's put in a bag. In our case, we put it in a bag that has a a little special valve in it. It's hidden in all that beautiful art we have on yeah. the package. 
And that allows the coffee to kind of gas off and prevents oxygen from entering the bag. And once we put it in that bag, then we ship it out. We try to we try to roast it and ship it within one to two days for anywhere in the country. And then when it arrives to the customer, in theory, that's at peak freshness. Mm -hmm. And then once a once somebody opens a bag, then we figure they've got about two to three weeks of, of a good freshness window, and yeah. then it's time to replace it. So hopefully yeah. they're drinking it. One of the things that drives me the most crazy when someone will say, how'd you enjoy the coffee? Well, I liked it so much, I'm saving it for special occasions. And, you know, I've still got the coffee I bought three months ago. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, no do don't do that. That's <laughs> what you do, yeah. So, um, so that so we roasted in two places now. That's really cool. It's awesome. That's you, neat to know you're in North Carolina yeah. now. I wonder how far you are away from us. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that maybe. Probably not too far. We're in Greensboro. Okay. Uh, yeah, awesome. it's about, yeah. about three, four hours from us. So Sweet. Really cool. Uh, one thing I just keep hearing you say, and I thought it was cool, he said this twice now, um, a community – and, and you really see that in – via Instagram, I see it a lot, just from different people that are drinking the coffee. Uh, a lot of people we've had on this show have talked about the coffee. Um, it's definitely driven to an angler. And I think what is cool just in hearing you say that, it's what we've also tried to do with our podcast um, as we got more into it throughout the you know first year and a half of doing this is be more – kind of intentional in creating a community. And so I think you've done an obviously outstanding job. We just kept hearing about Angler's Coffee, Angler's Coffee. And just, you know, you meet more and more people in the fly fishing community, the longer we do this show and more and more people are talking about Angler's Coffee. And so uh, you've done an outstanding job. What, what would you say? I know the artwork and the branding has a lot to do with it, but what else would you say is just, uh, you know, been that success of being able to build that community? Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. That's really super important to me. I, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough in my prior business, I came out of it, you know, able to, you know, kind of classically American style, I, I comfortably retire. And so I'm not, I'm not really in this for the money. It, I mean, I wouldn't turn it down, but <laughs> but that's yeah. not really the driver for yeah, me in this, sure. this time around in, in business. Um, you know, first and foremost, I believe it's our authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're the real deal. And again, what I want to, you know, I want to impress mostly is we're way more than just a pretty package. It's yeah. it's the it's the real deal in there. As we've talked a lot about about the coffee in there, far more important to me what's inside the bag that's on the outside of the mm -hmm. bag. But the branding is important as well. Obviously, we want to stand out. I'm. So authenticity is is super crucial to me. And then um, in terms of community, as I mentioned before, you know, I'm I'm one of everybody. I, I'm a fit, I'm an angler. I, I speak the language. I, I I you know I've thrown my rod down too, and after losing that prize fish, so uh, that's important to me is to be part of the community. And then probably most important is that we're we're really involved in a lot of organizations within the, the community as well mm -hmm. we we will probably never really make money because we seem to be at i seem to be adamant about giving it all away but that's really cool we support you know we, we have a few we have at any given time we have any number of programs going on to support the community um as an example right now we have what we call our conservation alliance partner and significant percentage of it, of every sale we make goes directly to whatever organization we're partnering with at the time. Yeah. This right currently it's the Wild Steelhead Coalition here in, in Washington State, which is the first local one we've supported. Um, over time, we've you know we've been involved with veterans groups and um, you know, like Soul River out of Portland, Oregon, which which combines veterans or or more specifically veterans recovering from PTSD and partnered up with disadvantaged youth. And it's an amazing organization. Mm, wow. And uh, so we've supported them. We've done warriors on the fly. We've done casting for recovery, which is more of a, of a cancer recovery, uh, you know, and, and it's so, so, so cool to see the therapeutic values of, of fly fishing, yep. you know, so embedded in our community. And I, and I believe so much in it that, you know, that, so that's another big part of what we do to build community. 
that's really special and i think it's really neat i know you i've seen uh some of what you do i think as well with the artist series is that right we do we have an artist series which is also something special we do so approximately two to three times a year we partner with a, an artist uh our, for our first one was with derek DeYoung, who's well known in the in the industry yeah. and we we worked with him to create some really cool looking bag designs which we call artist series we choose some very special coffees to put into those artist series and then uh the art the artist series where we directly we contributed uh, a dollar a bag uh, right to casting for recovery yeah um currently um we're working with a new a new artist it's uh, a guy named kevin paul who is a native american artist here in, again in our area and um he created those new bags we have again with two special copies in them and, and again a dollar for each of those bags is currently going to the Sorry, it's escaping my memory for whatever reason, but the I want to say it's the Squamish. It's an effort. It's an effort for re, re, uh, rehabilitating the spawning streams that flow through the reservation where Kevin Paul lives. Wow! And this and we and this, like the steelhead, the salmon runs here in the Northwest are suffering, and there's multiple causes. Um, and a lot of times the Native Americans take a hit for blame, but it's really a very complex issue. Mm. And for my part, I'm seeing them doing a lot of work to try to fix the problem, not cause the problem. So. That's really cool. Uh, I love the way that you're focused on giving back um, to the fly fishing community. I think that's a huge thing. And uh, it's really neat, too, because I think a lot of times, Joe, you see stuff like this, and, and it almost feels gimmicky may be the wrong word. But sometimes you see things like this. But the thing that I love about your company is – You've created this great community of anglers, but you also have an amazing product. Like the coffee's good. <laughs> it's not, you know, a lot of times you see stuff like that and you're like, oh, it's, it's you know, you're going to be buying something that's going to be just like the Folgers you'd get at the grocery store. But no, this is like legit, really good artisan style coffee. And it's also, if you're an angler, a lot of what you're doing is helping give back to the fly fishing community. And I think that's really special. Well, that, I appreciate you saying that. That's, the word I and my biggest fear, honestly, Caleb, going into this was that we would be looked at as a novelty. Yeah, because we're not. No, we're you're not, not at all. Yeah, you're definitely not. Um, and you know, it's it's still a concern of mine, but it's becoming less so as we get more accepted by the community and we're building the community. Well, I think the more fly anglers I hang out with fly fishermen are just passionate people in general about especially about fishing about the um the outdoor community uh about conservation i mean most fly fishermen i know are extremely knowledgeable and thinking about these things you know they're not just going out and taking advantage of the resource they're thinking about these things and uh i feel like passionate people kind of tend to be like people like that tend to be more passionate about other things as well like how good their coffee tastes and uh you know they, they seem to be a little bit more focused on stuff like that and so i think you've kind of set yourself up for a lot of success because of the type of people that seem to be drawn to fly fishing for, for the most part yes i mean I, I i have run into the occasional guy that looks at me and goes why would i you know i can buy coffee for six bucks a pound when he's walking by with his two thousand dollars sage rod yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> But for the most part, no, I totally agree with you. People are have have latched on to us. I think they're getting us, getting what we're about, and yeah. it's real rewarding. I was I was looking at the website here while you were asking that question, and I mean, some of these, uh, you know, uh, tasting notes. Maybe I do need to just like I think maybe I could acquire acquire the taste of. Uh, it could be the start of my coffee drinking. Experience. I mean, I know some of the other stuff you drink, and if you drink it, you'll be you'll be set for coffee. So, <laughs> so maybe that's a good point. Maybe you can acquire a taste that's for where coffee. We need to go. So. Like maybe that's that could say Angler's Coffee was my start. You there know, you that, go. That would be the, oh, oh, okay. It would it's be a good on. place to start. It is on now. I have a challenge. Now you have you a challenge, <laughs> Joe. I will, I will find. I will turn you into into a coffee drinker. There a, you co go. a connoisseur. I'm telling you, Joe. It's funny because I, you know, I I started drinking coffee. Um, I actually didn't start in college or anything like that. Actually, it took to where <laughs> this is kind of funny. When I became a pastor, I started drinking coffee. So like when I started working in <laughs> when I started working in ministry, I started drinking a lot of coffee. And um, 
you know, it just started with like somebody would make a pot at the office and, you know, I'd fill it with so much creamer, you could barely even taste the coffee. And uh, now it's, then it became a point where, you know, I was drinking really cheap coffee, uh, but I would drink it black just for, you know, probably bad reasons. But, <laughs> but, but then somebody introduced me to good coffee for the first time. We got a new local coffee shop that moved into the area uh, not too long ago. And I started getting introduced to like good coffee. And I was, I was, I was, I was stuck. Like I could not go back to drinking the bad stuff anymore. You know, when you get the good stuff and then you go back to the bad stuff. You're like, this, this is crap. This is terrible. And then, uh, when I got introduced to English coffee and, uh, you were kind enough to, to share some with me. Um, I really appreciated that. And when I tried it, I was like, okay, this is legit. Like I can have this and I can make it at my home. And, um, I was, I was excited. Oh, thank you. I appreciate hearing that. Amen. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and, uh, we're going to come back and talk to, uh, Joe about, uh, his life as a father in, uh, all of his travels and, uh, journey through his professional career and also his fly fishing career. Uh, so we'll be right back. Fly is brought to you by Maggie Valley Fly Shop. Maggie Valley Fly Shop is your go-to stop in Western North Carolina for all your fly fishing needs. Whether you're looking to book a guided trip or you're wanting to go catch some gear that you may need before you hit the stream, hop into Maggie Valley Fly Shop, grab a cup of coffee, get all the gear you need, and go enjoy a great day on the water in Western North Carolina. You can also check them out online at maggievalleyflyshop.com. Well, we are back with Mr. Joe Monahan from Angler's Coffee. Joe, you've been telling us so many great things. Uh, I've learned a lot through this podcast about coffee. Which learned a lot. Really I cool. learned. I'm, I'm like, I was. I felt like that one question was all the people are you idiot. You don't know how coffee works. But it was really exciting for me to yeah, learn I how mean, this coffee works. It's really, it's really neat to learn about the coffee process. It's been so cool to hear about your story. Um, I'm glad that you are joining in with me of this challenge to get Joshua to acquire the taste for coffee. I think that's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we'll definitely probably be reporting back on that in future episodes. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun, but Joe, we'd, uh, we'd really like to talk to you a little bit also about your story uh, with your family. Uh, you've told us a little bit off air about um, some different chapters of your life. Uh, you are a father to uh, to two adult children and uh, now also to a seven year old daughter. And uh, you've told us a little bit about uh maybe spending some time with them on the water and, and what that was like for you. So I would love to just sh- for you to share a little bit about your family and uh, how important they've been for you through, through this entire process of your career and your fly fishing journey. Well, being, you know, I've got two different chapters of being a dad and, and they are definitely different from one another. Um, so, so as you mentioned, I have two adult children. I've been a dad now for 35 years. And, um, and so family life combined with a growing business in my, in my younger years really did take away one from my, the time I had to fish, particularly in, in those years where I was, you know, I was working long hours and trying to support a family and, um, so, so I, I had a, a daughter and a son, and I, my daughter uh, is this beautiful, this extremely beautiful, intelligent, great person who's doing great things with her life now. And then um, I had a son who unexpectedly, you know, caught me off guard and became the, certainly the most dominant factor in my entire life was the fact that he was uh, severely autistic. And so from about 1991 on, my my life along with my wife's became pretty much centered around trying to understand and deal with autism. Yeah. And so um, as a result, uh, again, I didn't get to fish as much. Um, you, you asked about getting on the water with my children. I tried with my daughter, who, who had a little bit of interest, but not really, you know. You know, those are the days of instinct and Backstreet Boys, and it was a little hard to get interested <laughs> in, in fishing. But she she tolerated it with me when I would haul her out on our family vacations. My son was a different story. You know, I I, I, I when he was born, I I kind of had visions of the the classic father son experiences yeah. of fishing, going to ball games, all all the things a, a father would love to do with his son, and you know they just didn't happen because. 
we were dealing with his uh, his disability. Um, so that just really became the focus of my life. Yeah. Uh, along with my wife. Um, another unexpected event was the death of my wife. Um, going back uh, however many years ago it was now. And um, luckily my daughter was was very well situated and um, and married to a great guy from Montana. And, uh, and we're starting to work on the thoughts of having a family of her own. So she was well situated and I had my son in a good place with the help of my late wife. We, we had him as good a place as we could. And, um, I was looking forward to life. And then all of a sudden, you know, that we had another interruption in her passing and, you know, it caused me to kind of sit back and try to figure out what things were going to be. And I was, I was totally convinced at that point in time that that my life was going to be focused on being a, a dad to my adult children, a grandfather, and I was probably pretty content to just be a bachelor the rest of my life until I, I met someone that just swept me off my feet, and um, and we we were instantly uh, we instantly a couple and. Um, somehow I convinced her that this would be a good idea, even though she was 23 years younger than me, but she loved fishing. And so I thought, I've got my fly fishing partner. I've got, you know, I'm ready to go. It's a great new chapter in my life. And, uh, and it was all going great until all of a sudden we realized we were going to have a baby, in which I, the last thing I thought was going to happen. Um, and, so I thought, here we go again. Here goes another chapter. <laughs> and and uh, we gave birth to, she gave birth to a, a beautiful little girl that uh, is, again, someone else is sweeping off my feet. And um, she's becoming my my next little best friend. And um, and she she does it. She is interested in fishing. In fact, she's not afraid to, to cast and grab a fish when it's in. She, there's no, no part of it that intimidates her. And uh, and she's even taken up a little fly tying with me, which uh, which has been really fun. That's got to be fun. I've gotten my both of my sons into fly tying a little bit. How how's that experience been like for you getting your daughter to tie flies with you? Well, it, it's it's definitely it is well it's what it is. It's it's taking all the patience that I saw my father give me when he was untangling my line out of the trees. And trying to trying to keep his language clean the best he could at the time, <laughs> yeah. and um, so it's taken some patience because she's just as interested in taking my uh, half of my materials and turning them into bracelets. Um, so, <laughs> but but she's getting there. You know, she my, had a pretty decent woolly bugger the other day. Nice. My daughter's eight, and she uh, she likes to come down. I think she's really enamored by the different colors of the uh, the uh, maybe the flash or. Um, the uh, different dubbings and stuff and and she'll uh she'll say just tie something with this pink one or she'll just pick up some stuff and say tie me something and i want to just put this on it and uh and so we've started doing that some and she really enjoys it and i actually took one of her flies that she she helped me with last year and and caught a pretty nice uh wild brown with it on a a local stream and she was so she was so happy that you know that her fly. Her fly. Yeah. It wasn't like I had tied the fly, and I think it was like a, a wall torn. It was her design Her choice. design. Yeah, it was like her design. <laughs> She's yeah. like, well, I told you to put that pink spot there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you did. And um, and it caught a nice fish. And so she was super. And every now and then she'll come down to the basement when I'm tying, and she'll just be like, Daddy, can I, can I sit and watch you tie a fly, or can I pick and help you tie? And so it, it is it's – a, it's a cool thing when your kids show some interest in, in what you're doing and – um. We talk all the time. It doesn't have to be that you know she's tying flies that are going to be featured on Fly Tire magazine. It's she's spending some quality time with her dad, and I know that that's awesome that you're able to do that. And it speaks to I just think hearing your story, Joe, speaks to how we heard your passion in the first half of the show about coffee and fly fishing. But you know, you obviously have a passion for those around you, your loved ones, and that being your family. To be able to to have these two chapters, like you said, but um, you spoke spoke highly of your daughter and how she's got this successful career of her own family. And, and we, we always think that that means that they've seen someone who um, 
who, who has guided them correctly. And so big kudos to that, man. Well, thanks. I'd like to hope so. And, and probably the best outcome of all is, well, first of all, I got to tell you about my little flight time story. Just before we went on air today, my daughter came up and said, hi, Papa. And she had my string of squirmy worms around her and she, she, she had made a beard out of it. So love it. Um, but yeah, you know, that, 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 that is super important to me. Um, and family always has been and will always will be. Well, that's great. Well, Joe, this is, this has been awesome, man. I've loved learning more about your story and loving English coffee. Uh, Joshua, anything before we kind of tell everybody where they can go find some of this amazing coffee? Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to say I, I, I consider you such a, just a successful person. Um, coffee aside, successful angler, you're a fly tire. You, you've successfully been a father to uh, three children now and two different kind of family dynamics. Well, what would you say, Joe, through your your journey um, that you've come back to is, you know, this is going to make – me successful or this is going to just strive me to, to continue to be better and to do for others like you're doing for others all the time. What kind of drives that? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an inner sense of, of just trying to do the right thing all, all the time. You know, I want, um, I'm very committed to those and I, I, I value relationships. I'm extremely loyal to to whether it's a business relationship or my family or my friends, um, that's really important to me. Uh, you know, I'm and I get you know I think about I'm I'm just turned seventy years old, so I'm uh, I'm real you know and, and I'm and I'm not immortal, and so you know I I, I guess I think if. If, if once I'm once I'm gone from this earth, and you know, I guess my greatest hope is that that people that knew me were glad they met me and glad that I was in their life, and uh, and and I honestly, I'm not trying to brag, honestly think that probably is the case, but yeah. um, and and I work hard at that, and it's really important to me. And, uh, you, know, you could call it spirituality or faith or any number of names, but it's that inner sense of. of of just doing the right thing and being a good person. Well, I've definitely gathered that from you, Joe. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that we've got the opportunity to meet you. that We've got a chance to hang out. Um, you were, you were a, I was talking to, to our friend, Howie Fisher that, you know, um, and, uh, you were one of the most generous guys that I know. Um, and I think it's really cool how you are using what you are passionate about and what you are gifted at. And then using it as a means to give back to a community that we have really uh, grown to appreciate. Uh, I mean, Caleb said in the elevator, like that after that first day at the fly fishing show, because um, he got some time to go spend down at the at your booth at the English Coffee booth, and he said, "Man, just what what a cool person!" Um, and he was like, "We have to be able to have a conversation with him on Dads on the Fly." Like he he's just passionate about fishing. He's passionate about coffee. Um, and tonight we learned, you know, you're passionate about your family, and so it was, it was a great episode for us we do want to let everybody know um it's pretty easy anglerscoffee.com um correct i'm not missing that anglerscoffee.com yeah and they have a great instagram channel and following that that posts a lot of cool different things their blog is really um awesome um they've been to a lot of shows i think your show season is over now are you gonna get a little break joe we we are yeah i've enjoyed enjoyed the shows and that's that's important to me too is that whether someone and one of the great things about this show, the shows that I enjoyed was uh, people would come up to our, our booth and and be interested in the coffee, and they'd say, "I, you know, I saw you on Instagram, or I've been been to your website, or I, I saw your ads on Facebook, or whatever." And it's really important to me that they understand there's actually real people behind this. Yeah. It's not just some some website. And so, you know, getting a chance to meet people as as been just great and we i just got to work with howie again who's who's an, an amazing person as well and and uh, the more i work with him the more i love him um and so we we had that experience over and over and over again up in pennsylvania at lancaster shows so uh that's it, great and and you know and that same thing goes you People can can reach me through the website if they're if anyone's interested in coffee. I can go on and on and on, whether it's email or talk or 
if someone buys coffee and they're, they're not satisfied for any reason, to me, that's again, that's just as much a challenge as 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 getting you on coffee. Um, because I'll work at it and, and at my own expense to, until we nail it, or someone finally says, "You know, thanks for trying," but that's never happened. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, make sure to check them out online. Uh, go grab a bag of coffee, anglerscoffee.com. Grab a grab a case of the uh, dry dry dropper uh, packs. Dry dropper. Take them on your camping trips. Those man. things are. Oh, I take them on my camping trips. I'll take them and uh, brew them up streamside. You know, using a little jet boil and. And get some hot water and making a cup uh, with the little. Um, it's not. It's not instant coffee. It is a coffee, basically in a tea bag, right? I mean, is it, that kind of how essentially you essentially what it? it is? It's a. Yeah. It's a. It's a. Uh, a process of putting ground coffee in a very precisely ground coffee in a in a tea bag, and then we nitrogen flush it and put it in these little packages, and. Uh, I, I, on my airplane ride out to Pennsylvania last Friday, I was I was drinking these. I, I was asking them for hot water. On the plane? The, the, the two people next to me were going, hey, how come he's getting such good coffee? I love it. make it. Yeah. That is great. Um, yeah, I mean, I encourage people to go check them out. Uh, follow you. Check you out on Instagram. Yeah, I think it's Angler's Coffee Co. Uh, at Angler's mm-hmm. Coffee Co. on Instagram. And uh, follow along the journey and see what you guys are doing there at Angler's Coffee. Um I think it's cool you're you're diving into a little bit more of a niche market with the bass head stuff here recently. I know that's got to be interesting for you. And uh, we got a few other things up our sleeves here too that'll come out over the course of the next there you go next amount of time. Oh well, I can't I can't wait to hear more about it, Joe. This has been so great. Thank uh, you so really much. appreciate your time and uh, sharing your story. And uh, just want to encourage folks to go check you out. Thank you for your time, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love your podcast. I love what you guys are about, and I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you, man. We appreciate you, Joe. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines. Oh,